Hello, and welcome to the Graceful and Gritty podcast. My name is Sydney. I'm your host. I'm a wife, business owner, lifelong learner, and follower of Jesus. I was born and raised in Colorado and live here with my wonderful husband of six years. I'm passionate about people and have a knack for business. My hope is that we can learn together about doing life with grace and grit. We'll talk about all things life from faith and finance to business and balance. My prayer is that this will be a place of help, encouragement, honest conversation, and authentic growth. Thank you for joining me. Hi, friends. I hope that you've had a great week. I guess it's been closer to like 10 days or something. Um, It's sunshiny and beautiful and hot. We've had that record-breaking heat wave is still going strong. Um, Hopefully we still get those monsoon rains in the afternoon because we definitely need them. Um, Update on the farm life. We started getting eggs this week. So we got our chickens in the spring um, and they're just chicks and they start out in the bathroom. And those of you that have kind of been following the podcast have kind of heard the adventures of the Millers and chickens. But um, the girls started laying eggs last week, so we were really excited about that. I knew it was getting close to time, and they still weren't laying, and I was getting anxious. I'm like, man, I've done something wrong. I've got dumb chickens. I don't even know. But they figured it out, and uh, when chickens first start laying eggs, they tend to be a lot smaller. Um, so we've been getting some really little chicken eggs, which has been funny. And eggs tend to match the color of the chicken. Uh, there's some nuance to that, but we've got really beautiful rainbow colored eggs. We don't have any blue layers. Maybe I'll try to get some for next year, but we've got white and different shades of brown and speckled and it's really cool. So I'm very proud. I'm so excited. And the other good thing is we let them free roam during the day. So we open up their pen and they can run around. We've got about 15 acres of land, but really they stick to like 15 well, maybe a little bit bigger, like 60 feet, 120 feet maybe. Um, but they run around. They like to eat the bugs and chase the grasshoppers. And there's we've got a back porch coming off of our master bedroom. And underneath there, it's a little bit cooler and there's some shade. So that's like where they like to go during the day or when it's really hot. And so I was scared that they were just going to lay eggs everywhere, that it was going to be like an Easter egg hunt. And back underneath that porch, I can't get underneath there. Um, so when they started laying inside their nesting boxes, like we've got these, uh, we converted dog houses, like, uh, birthing dog houses where it's a big dog, it's a big dog house with the entryway, but you can take the lid off of the top. You can lift the lid. It's on hinges. So I can just reach inside and grab the eggs and it's really, uh, simple and neat. And so they decided that that's actually what they were going to use and where they were going to lay. And I feel like stuff doesn't always work the way it you know, does in my head or the way you plan it. And so when we found the eggs where we intended them to be laid, when we first bought the houses was really rewarding. Like I felt really happy about that. So we're excited, excited about the eggs. Um, I am coming off a a bout of bronchitis. I got really sick the last uh, week or so. Um, So I'm still very fatigued, like just unreasonably tired, but definitely starting to feel better. Uh, I've got what Drew likes to call the seal cough, and it does actually sound kind of like a seal cough, to be honest, but he teases me about it. So that's starting to break up a little bit, which is nice, and I'm getting back into the swing of things and getting caught up with life. Um, I feel like I'm always trying to get caught up with life, but 
the rest was good and getting to spend time with my hubby was good. We binge watched X-Files and uh, drank copious amounts of green tea and chamomile tea and <laughs> honey and all kinds of things. So uh, we missed church on Sunday, which we really hated. So I'm looking forward to services this week um, now that we're back up and running. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been up to, but through the course of the last few days, I've had the opportunity to talk to several different people. Um, you know, I think we've talked about multiple times about seasons in life and the way things kind of ebb and flow. And I've had the opportunity to have some really, really honest conversations with people in the last few days that have been really good about just different topics. I was talking to somebody about tapping into their potential and seeing potential in them that they perhaps didn't even see in themselves and how we can uh, cause that to grow and get out of our comfort zones to become uh, the men and women that we want to be and that God created us to be. I talked to somebody else about closing chapters. They're moving on to a different season in their life and leaving is hard. Um, because they've got great friends and great memories and great experiences. And uh, you know how there's some chapters in life where you're like, I cannot wait for this chapter to end. Like, the sooner the better. I'm sick and tired. This one's really hard. Uh, it hurts. I don't like this. Um, and then there's other chapters that are just really precious and sweet and fulfilling and and fun and joyful. And so those those chapters have to close too because uh, we're not meant to just keep living the same chapter over and over in the book of our life. We're meant to have different adventures and go on to different things. And so I got to talk to somebody about that. And I was talking to somebody else and they said that they wanted to hear more about learning how to heal from trauma. And, and what does that look like? And how can we be equipped and have the tools to be able to do that successfully? And so really a lot of it is mindset. And I got to have these really neat conversations with people and it kind of sparked some of the thoughts that I'm going to share today that will hopefully be a help and a blessing to you. So this idea of being overcomers, right, is uh, overcoming trauma and healing from hurts in our past or the burdens or the baggage that we're carrying with us to this day. Like we're traveling through life and it's kind of like going on a trip where the the longer you live life, the more stuff you tend to accumulate. You've got more and more things and more and more memories and events and all these other types of things that happen. But if I'm on going on vacation, I don't pack up my whole house and, and take it with me. I don't take all of it. I just pack a suitcase and take what I need. And life is much like that. We have to understand that we are journeymen. We are wanderers. We're on a trip home. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, home is heaven and home is eternity. So we don't need to try to pick up and carry everything with us. That's unreasonable. We should carry the things that we want to take with us and leave behind everything else. Um, but how do we do that? Because we don't tend to carry the good things. We don't carry the highlights and the great moments. We tend to carry the hard things and the trauma and the hurt the bitterness, the care, the wounds. And uh, God didn't create us for that. He created us to be overcomers and to travel light and uh, to not carry the baggage that life can weigh us down with so easily. And Paul talked about that in the New Testament. But I think in our society too, we've normalized a constant state of struggle and depression, anxiety, 
those are kind of buzzwords to to have and be an experience. Uh, and I think having conversations about it is healthy, but living there is not because people say, oh, I've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression or whatever it is. And then, and then that's their identity that becomes the piece of what they are and who they are for the rest of their lives. That's how they identify. That's how they gain their being. And we've, we've normalized becoming what has traumatized us and being stuck wherever, where, wherever that we've landed in that for life. Um, and that's not healthy. That's not healthy for people. It's not healthy for societies, but we're not built for that. We are meant to be capable of so much more. We are meant to be overcomers. We are meant to uh, be able to take hard things and come through them better and stronger. So how do we become overcomers? The kind of people who can face any challenge and come through stronger, purer, and better. I think deep down, we're all meant to be overcomers, and that's what we want to be. We want to be capable and strong. And the good news is we can. The bad news is most people won't. Uh, because once you internalize that and allow that to become who you are and not just a piece of your story, then that's when you get stuck. And that's when you become your trauma or what hurt you. And that's not how we're meant to live. That's not how we're meant to be. That's not how we're meant to serve the Lord. We are created to be overcomers. And so today I just want to give you some of the tools and equipment to help be able to be a catalyst to move forward. So first, let's look at trauma itself. It's a term that can be applied in many ways across a, a broad spectrum of definitions. I think especially because it's kind of a keyword these days or a hot topic, we act like uh, things that aren't trauma are trauma, right? Uh, we get stuck in traffic and there's a there's construction up ahead and we don't move for 30 minutes and people will jokingly say, well, I'm traumatized. Or I went to Starbucks and they didn't have the coffee I wanted. Trauma uh, I mean, I could go on and on. I'm sure I could come up with a lot of funny examples, but <laughs> the idea is that we've kind of started to apply it where it doesn't belong and internalize that we are constantly traumatized by things that are really minor inconveniences at worst. And when we don't use words the way they're intended and we don't apply them carefully and intentionally, we water them down. And we've done that with the English language. We've lost so many of our words and the power of meaning and specificity and saying what we mean. Um, there's so much generalization and we've lost nuance, I think, to just being lazy um, intellectually and in the way we speak and in the way we communicate. And so really going back to the meaning or the definition of the words gives us the power to understand it and apply it effectively. And that's really important, especially when it comes to big things, because we've built a society where we constantly live in a state of trauma. Even if that's not really what trauma is or what it's supposed to be, we've labeled it as that. And that's how we respond to it. And that's how we identify with it. And that's how we live with it. And that can be very dangerous. So we need to properly identify what trauma is in order to be able to figure out how to overcome it and what those tools are to successfully move past it so it's a piece of our story and not the story of our lives. 
According to the dictionary, trauma is a body wound or shock produced by sudden physical injury as from violence or accident. For example, uh, ooh, it was probably eight years ago, nine years, eight, eight years ago, um, I had some friends. I was living in Virginia at the time, and I had some friends that said, hey, we've got a an event coming to town and it's epic and we want you to do it with us. And I said, what is it? And they said, well, it's a, it's called the Tough Mudder. It's a 12 mile obstacle course run. And, uh, I think they were in tandem with the Wounded Warrior Project to raise money for veterans and some different things like that. And this one was going to be the first one that was ever set up in a, to run across multiple state lines. So I think it was, Maybe it was two or three states. I'm not sure, but Virginia, West Virginia. I don't know. It was either two or three states. But they said, do you want to do this mud run, this obstacle course? And I was like, heck yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do this. So I started I started practicing. I started running every day and, and doing push-ups and working out and trying to get in shape. And it was kind of late summer, early fall, fallish when this event happened. And so we'd been planning and preparing. We drive up there, we check in, we have to sign a death waiver, actually like three or four death waivers because some of these obstacles are pretty physically intensive. And then as we're getting like geared up to go get our numbers and we've got, you know, our everything starting time and we're going to the starting line and somebody goes, oh, well, did you hear about the guy who died yesterday? We're like, what? So a man had done one of the obstacles and his he did not he had a heart condition and probably should not have been participating, but he did one of the obstacles and and died because his heart couldn't handle it. And so they'd shut off that obstacle and reworked the course. So that one was no longer part of the track. But at that point, I'm like, oh, wow, that's <laughs> kind of crazy. And I'm volunteering for that. Like, I'm signing up for this because this is this is fun. So sometimes we have a weird version of fun. But the idea of climbing over things and crawling under things and mud, I love mud and just playing in the dirt and outside. So uh, I was gung-ho and ready to go. So we're running and we're going and we're going and we're going. And there's these big nets that we have to climb up, kind of like army camp style. And then there's this uh, big trench that we had to crawl under that was filled with water. And there was little electrical wires hanging down. And if you hit the electrical wires, you'd get zapped. But because we're in water, yeah, I know. The, as I'm talking about this, this sounds so stupid. Like, why would I Why would I sign up for this? But, you know, I'd do, I'd do it again. <laughs> and so if you're climbing and you're going underneath the water, you can get electrocuted. But if you get electrocuted by one of, like, the stronger zaps, then it travels through the water and zaps the people around you. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's, like, this whole series of, you know, you had to crawl through these tunnels and um, you had to carry your other runners for a certain amount. And then they would switch and have to carry you and you have to roll these logs around. And I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. It really was. So about four miles in of this 12 mile race, then there was a, an obstacle called the Arctic enema. And it is every bit as horrid as it sounds. It's a massive 16 wheeler truck bed. So like one of those big moving containers with the top cut off and it's completely filled with ice and water. And then what they did was they put 
uh, boards in the middle of it with a little cutout at the bottom. So you had to jump off a diving board into the freezing cold water. You had to fight through the blocks of ice, swim down to the very bottom of the tank, swim underneath the boards because you couldn't get over them. They were up too high. So you had to swim underneath them and then you'd climb, like claw your way back through the ice and then swim out on the other side. So first of all, I nearly drowned when I was two years old <laughs> and my mom saved my life and I've had kind of a hate-hate relationship with water since then. Um, I don't mind swimming. I don't mean in the water. I just don't like it on my face. I mean, even in the shower, I use a washcloth. I won't put water on my face because I'm apparently that scarred for life. But um, I've always had just a weird relationship with water and I don't enjoy water in my face or covering my breathing apparatuses that God gave me. I, I mean, I just feel like if we're meant to be in the water, we'd be in the water. So I get to this obstacle and it was optional, right? Where you could go around it and you could opt out of it. But I'm like, what's the point? What's the point of me being here and doing all this if I'm not even going to do the obstacles or I'm going to be a wuss and and not do them? So I stood looking over the water and I can feel my heart beating really fast. I'm looking down at it. And the other thing is just because of the time of year and the weather patterns, it was about 50 degrees and it was cloudy. So it wasn't like a warm 50 degrees. It was a cool 50 degrees with a wind blowing. And I didn't really think much of it. Like it wasn't bad when we were, you know, carrying each other across the portions or climbing over the logs or crawling underneath the, the wire it wasn't bad at all. So I didn't really think about it in relation to this ice water. So I, I, did a couple of false starts and freaked myself out. And then finally I turned around and I looked at the guy behind me. I said, on the count of, I said, on the count of three, push me, just push me into the water. And, and that's how I'm going to get into the water. So he laughed and I said, one, two, and bam, he pushed me into the water on two, which is probably a good thing because I might've ducked otherwise. So I get into the water and the, it shocks me. Like it literally just robs my breath where I'm just like, <gasps> I can't breathe because the water is freezing and they've got these big huge chunky blocks of ice and I jump I dive underneath the water and I couldn't breathe like I couldn't breathe I was only halfway down I was trying to fight through it was taking me too long to try to get to the bottom and I pop back up and I'm thinking there's no way out I can't get out I, I gotta go through and I'm already in I'm already committed so I took a deep breath I closed my eyes I fought through the ice swam to the bottom went underneath the board popped back up on the other side and climbed out of the water unbeknownst to me that through the course of events that had shocked my system so badly that I was hypothermic and had gone into shock. So I pop out on the other side and they've got space blankets that you can wrap around yourself until you dry off. And the, the way it was supposed to work was that you keep running and you've got a, you've got a little while before you've got more obstacles. So as you run, your body temperature comes back up and your clothes dry off and you're good to go. So I'm going and I'm going and the guy says, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, right? And I keep going and then my running buddies kind of look at me and they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. And I'm, I kept wondering like, why are they asking me what's wrong? And then it set in where I started moving slower and slower and I started to realize how cold I was. And then my, my muscles all started to cramp up just – I could barely move. Like I started hunching over and I'm still walking and I'm walking slower and slower and I'm curled up. And then they're sharing their space blankets with me because they're dried and warm and ready to keep going. And I'm 
basically crawling at this point. So finally, I just sit down on a log and somebody tries to say my name three or four times and I can't hear them. All of a sudden I hear them, but it's like really, really far away through a tunnel. They're like, Sydney, Sydney, are you okay? And I said, no, I don't think I am. So they called the medics and the medical guys came and took, got me, threw me in like a gator or like an ATV so they could take me back to the med tent. And they wrapped me up in some more space blankets and started giving me electrolytes and bananas. They put me in front of this big, huge uh, torch blower heater thing. Glorious. And by then, I was shivering shivering uncontrollably. At that point, I realized that I was hypothermic and I was in shock and my body was not okay with what was happening. And uh, so they were treating me and it took me about two and a half hours to stop shivering, um, to feel like I wasn't a corpse. Uh, and my relationship with water got worse after that, especially cold water. I mean, you're hearing about the energy crisis in the European Union and how these European countries, uh, there's, they're limiting hot water and people are being forced to take cold showers. And I know that's such a snooty first world prob- problem, but if, if I, if we ever come to the point where I have to take cold showers, that's just going to, that's going to be it for me <laughs> where, uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure I could survive it, but I'd be real grumpy about it. And so according to the dictionary, trauma is a body wound or shock produced by sudden physical injury as from violence or accident. So that was a physical trauma that put me hypothermic and into shock, right? It took me, it took me some time to be able to recover from that. Um, but the other is an experience that produces psychological injury or pain. So for example, that's PTSD. So post-traumatic stress syndrome that can come from war, from rape, from abuse, from just different events and happenings that can go on in our lives. And so those are the two technical definitions of trauma. And what's interesting is that the medical definition is shock, a critical body injury, bodily injury or wound or an experience that is emotionally distressful and shocking. And I think that in order to understand trauma and be able to heal from it in healthy ways, we have to recognize that it's not just physical. It is mental. And those things do happen. They happen to all of us at some point in our lives. We're going to face some degree or some level of trauma. Now, are there going? Is that going to be a broad spectrum? Yes, and we need to understand that. But we are all we all need to be equipped to be able to recognize it and overcome it. The or origin of the word trauma is from the Greek a Greek word that I'm not even going to try to say because I'm not going to sound like a scholar. I'm going to sound like an idiot. But it's from a Greek word that means wound. So, so that's the, that's where we get our word trauma is from the Greek word with the meaning of wound. So a physical wound, an emotional wound, a spiritual wound. Trauma is a wound to our body, soul, or spirit from a painful experience. And that's going to be our working definition moving forward of just understanding that um, that's the true meaning of the word. So that way we can apply it accurately. And honestly, if you live long enough, every one of us is going to experience such events to varying degrees. And we know it's not if, but when. And and many of us have already faced events in our lives that have triggered those trauma responses that have become part of our story, that have uh, 
affected who we are as people and how we show up in the world and, and the way we view it's it shaped our worldview it shaped the view of our lives and and the good news is that we can be equipped to not only handle these things but to overcome them another thing to consider is that god created us to be a triune or three part being body soul and spirit And in a fallen, sinful world, it's no surprise that all three pieces can be greatly wounded and traumatized. And sometimes we do a really good job of recognizing physical trauma because that's easy, right? Um, I mean, I could give you lots of (laughs) examples because I'm the oldest of seven kids. And we were a rough and tumble country farm family that was always on the go and getting into something or doing something. Uh, I remember one time we were on a fishing trip in Alaska and my parents were awesome about saving up money to have experiences and things were never important. So we didn't really have a lot of things or fancy things or uh, it just we our lives didn't really revolve around the things they revolved more so around the experiences. And so we got to really have some incredible experiences that I'm so, so grateful for looking back. But we taken a family trip to Alaska to go fishing. And we were at one of the national forests. My, my little brother was running along the pathway and there was a partially cut down trunk that, that was only a few inches above the ground. And for whatever reason, they, they paved some of it and they'd done some work on the national forest. And so it was kind of uh, hit or miss, but there was a pile of broken up concrete where it was like, it was kind of been poured and then hardened, but it wasn't smoothed over meant for a sidewalk or anything. It was just like, it was like, off offing that they dumped and left so my brother was running through on this little path in the national forest in alaska and he tripped over the tr- the stump that was only partially cut down all the way to the ground and he landed face first on this pile of broken concrete he just went flying he didn't have time to get it, time to get his hands and his feet under him or anything and he broke his nose i mean he shattered his nose and i have i have never seen that much blood in my entire life. I remember one of my other siblings had run back to the car and brought back a whole, like a new roll of paper towels. And we sopped up that entire roll of paper towels with blood. And we went to the emergency room and the doctor took a look at him and he says, yeah, his nose is broke, but there's nothing I can do because he's too young. So his nose isn't done forming and there's not much that we can do to repair or fix or like, there's nothing we can do that's going to help it. And so Event, and he said, and the other thing is it might stop growing. Like it might have it might have broken it to the point where it doesn't grow anymore. But thankfully, he healed from that. His nose healed from that. Um, and uh, all he's got to show for it are a couple of scars. And I don't know, maybe he snores. But um, we are really good at identifying physical trauma because it's it's obvious and it's easy to see. I think that we often don't do a good job about recognizing spiritual trauma or emotional trauma. And those things are just as powerfully uh, affecting to our lives and just as important to identify in order to be able to properly treat and heal. Uh, Because if we never properly identify it, then we can't actually apply the tools that we need to be able to heal from it. And, And just look at the Bible. Elijah, Job, Jonah, Solomon, David, Rebecca, those are just some of the people that experienced severe trauma, some of them to the point where they wished to die. 
Some of them were suicidal. Or they even would wish that they had never been born. They questioned why they even existed, why they were alive, why God had even allowed them to be born into a life where they experienced such heart-wrenching trauma that they felt like they shouldn't have even existed. The good news is we aren't alone and trauma and wounds aren't new. They are common to man, and through God's word, we have access to the perfect equipment and training we need to be overcomers. And so taking a moment to recognize that trauma is a human event. It's going to happen to us. It has happened to us. It will happen to us again. But when we can boldly identify it and recognize it, then we can use the correct tools that the Bible gives us in order to effectively and successfully overcome them and become overcomers in our lives where those things become chapters and not our entire story. In Psalm 109.22, David says, For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. Proverbs 18.14 asks the question, A wounded spirit, who can bear? These struggles are entirely human and age old. So what are the ways that we can heal from trauma to be successful overcomers according to the divine healer? The first and foremost and most important thing is soul healing. And before you're like, okay, now you sound crazy and I don't even know what you're talking about. What does soul healing even mean? Just, just go with me for a minute. We have to allow God to give our soul life because our soul is dead in trespasses and sins, which is what the Bible says. That's not my opinion. That's not what I'm saying. But the Bible says that we are, our soul is dead in trespasses and sins because the wages of sin is death. And not only are we born with sin, nobody has to teach us how to lie or steal or cheat or hide things. Not only are we born with that sin, but we also choose to sin. When we have the opportunity to choose to do the right thing, we don't. The human tendency is to do the easy thing regardless of if it's right or wrong. And you can argue that all you want. And you can say, well, I'm a good person. And overall, I do more good than bad. And and that is probably perfectly true. But our soul is dead in those trespasses and sins no matter what they are or, or how often they are or how much they are. Dead is dead. Um, it makes me think of that movie, The Princess Bride, <laughs> where Wesley is dead from the pit of despair. And so his friends take him to the warlock to bring him back to life. And he goes on and on about how he can't bring dead people back to life. Who do they think he is? And then he says, but he's only mostly dead <laughs> as if that's different so he's like okay well I think there must be something I can do because he's not dead dead he's just mostly dead um there there is no mostly dead right like you're either dead or you're alive there's not really much gray area in that and you devil's advocate people or just contrarians and I know you're out there are gonna say well what about if somebody's vital organs are still working but their brain is dead it's like okay I hear you but when you pull the plug and you have no more vital organs and everything is flatlined, then you're pronounced dead. That's the time of death that goes on your certificate. And, and our soul is pronounced dead, dead on arrival, because we are filled with trespasses and sins. And so the first trauma that has to be healed is that trauma of sin, that original sin, that sin that we're born with, that sin that we commit on a daily basis because we are not perfect and only God is. And so even the best of us are far worse than God. 
And so we need him and we need his healing. And that's the first thing is we need him to bring our soul to life. The Bible says Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. And that's beautiful to me because that's the word trauma. So, so Jesus was traumatized for my transgressions, for my trespasses, for my sin and my failure to be obedient to God and who he's created me to be. And that's the first thing that has to be healed. And that has nothing to do with us. That has nothing to do with our ability to do it ourselves. We can't. That's like if, if my spleen ruptures, I can't do anything about that. That doctor, if I'm rushed to the emergency room and there's an emergency room doctor that says, we're going to have to do surgery, put her under and he cuts me open. He's the only one that can save me because I cannot save myself. I can't do anything about that. Our soul is beyond repair. Our soul is beyond help. We can't do anything to fix it ourselves. We have to have the divine healer to come and bring our soul back to life. And that's the first thing is we have to have soul healing. And that's the most important thing because our body and our spirit are temporary. They're, they're housing. It's, it's a housing for us, for our eternal soul, but our soul is eternal. And so soul healing is the first and the most important thing that you have to have settled. The second aspect is physical healing. We have a physical body and God says that if, if, that our soul belongs to God once we're saved and we accept Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation for him dying on the cross, then our body becomes the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ because he lives in our souls. He lives with us. And so we need physical healing, right? We all have physical challenges and ailments and different things that we deal with. And, you know, there's always jokes about, you know, you feel great till you turn 30 and then that, 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 that. <laughs> and honestly, it, it's not, it's true. It is. <laughs> I mean, there are some days where I'm like, this is unreal. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm in the prime of life. What even is this? Why does, you know, why does this happen? Or why is that going on? Or what is this thing that's, you know, going on in my body? But we need physical healing. And God says that um, bodily exercise profiteth little, but it profiteth. And that we're supposed to take care of the temple that God gave us. And we can do that. We can address physical healing through exercise, diet, sunshine, laughter, sleep, vitamins. God's given us so many great tools to be able to take care of the vehicle that God gave us to serve him and glorify him in our bodies. And we can do that because it says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. You know, whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And so we can do those things in a way that honors God and in a way that doesn't make it an idol. But we are responsible for our physical body and we need to take good care of it and we need to uh, be responsible for it because God gave it to us individually. You're the only you that's ever going to get this vehicle. It's a limited edition, one of a kind you. And, and you have a responsibility to take care of it. and. Uh, to be responsible for its repair and maintenance. And, and that's something that God wants us to do. So there's soul healing, there's physical healing. And the one that we're going to spend the most time on, because I think it's the one that we struggle with hard in our lives is spirit healing. It's like that verse, a wounded spirit who can bear a traumatized spirit who can bear. Um, it says, my heart is wounded. My heart is traumatized within me. And David said that. And he had he had reason to be traumatized. His sons were trying to hunt him down so they could kill him and take his throne. Um, 
David was not a very good father, and his family life was wild, absolutely wild. I mean, sometimes I don't think we actually understand, like, we don't actually pay attention. And David's home life was a disaster, and there was trauma. I mean, he he speaks about it in Psalm. But in order to be overcomers, this these are the tools and the equipment that we need to be able to do that successfully. Number one, recognize triggering events. And, and that's really important because your whole life isn't trauma. So that means we have to stop and we have to do the hard work to identify where the wound is. And we don't always do that. You know, we, we react in certain ways in our, in our mind or our soul or our spirit or in our heart in our thoughts and we don't know why or we don't understand or we don't know what triggered it and we have to stop and really come to terms with where is the trauma coming from where's the wound what is wounded why am i hurting why am i responding the way that i am responding for example if i have kidney failure and i go to the doctor and i say doctor I've been diagnosed with kidney failure. I need a kidney transplant. He puts me on the list and then I get to the very top of the list and they say, we have a kidney for you. And you go to the hospital and you're ready for your transplant to get a new kidney so you can keep functioning. And you get to the doctor's office and he wheels you in. He puts you under. You wake up and you realize your kidney still feels the same. And you start to feel around and you realize that there's no stitches, no cut marks. And you sit up. And you swing your legs off the bed and you look down and you're missing a leg. And then you realize that he cut off your leg. Then then what was he even doing? He was treating something that didn't even need to be treated. He identified a, a problem that wasn't even a problem and take care of something that wasn't even supposed to be taken care of. So your leg eventually heals and then you die from kidney disease because you didn't get the transplant that you were supposed to have. We do that to ourselves and then we act like... It's unbelievable how difficult life is. And we have to stop doing that. We need to really spend the time and the hard work to identify what that event was that caused us to internalize that trauma or to respond in the way that we do. And that means sometimes going back, not just to the things that trigger it, but to what started it in the first place. So we have to identify where the wound is. We have to identify the beliefs that you've attached to that trauma. So when when we as humans experience emotional trauma or mental trauma, that tends to be very formative in the way we view life, in the way we uh, view relationships, um, the way we view who we are or who people see us as. And it can be extremely formative. And so when we're doing the work and we finally identified this was the trigger, this was the trauma, this was the event. And, and oftentimes when we don't sit down and do that work, then it compounds because the next event piles on top and the next event piles on top. And then it just becomes a big mess. So if we can identify that e- event and then we have to identify the way that it's formed, the way we see the world and the way we see it. For example, when I was a girl, um, there was a series of events where I, I mean, girls are mean. Girls are just mean and, and school's tough, right? Like just kids are, kids are tough. And I had been told that I was ugly and I believed it. I believed it with every fiber of my being that I was ugly. And that's such a simple trauma as compared to abuse 
or rape or war, um, the things that can happen and do happen um, that we do to other people are absolutely unspeakable. And I understand that. But the principles apply regardless of the spectrum of trauma because biblical principles are true when you apply them in any scenario, regardless of how big or how small it is or anything in between. And so um, I'd been called ugly. I believed it. I internalized that. And that was that traumatized me, right? Like that wounded me. That hurt my spirit. Um that hurt, that hurt my spirit. I was wounded. And, and what I internalized was insecurity, a lack of confidence. And, and that kind of followed me through high school into college and even beyond. And, uh, it took me a long time to do the work to sit down and recognize that that wasn't true and that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and how we internalize the trauma depends on our response to that trauma for and and we have to test we have to take what we internalize we have to test those beliefs so what was the event what was the wound the wounding event was that i was told that i was ugly and i believed it the 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 beliefs that i attached to that trauma was the insecurity and lack of confidence and so what you have to do with those beliefs that you form out of that trauma is you have to test those beliefs against the word of god so when I sit down and I open my my Bible and I look to the word of God, the Bible says, Sydney, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you in the womb before anybody knew you. I knew you and, and I formed you and I picked the color of your eyes and the shape of your nose and the length of your hair. And not only not only that, but you were created for such a time as this. You were pre-created for a reason and for a purpose. And I didn't mistake the family I placed you in or the state you were born in or the country you were born in or the circumstances you were born into, whether that was much or little, whether that was privileged or underprivileged, whether that was challenging or not. God created us for such a time as this. And then the other belief that I had to test it against was that God said, you know, you are so precious to me that you're worth dying for. You're worth giving everything for. And those are the things when I take my beliefs that I formed out of that trauma, that I am insecure and not confident and unimportant and and not adding value God says, no, that is not true. Those beliefs that you formed, when they hold up to the test, the litmus test of the word of God, those beliefs do not stand up. They crumble because you are fearfully and wonderfully made for such a time as this, and you are worth loving. You are worth living for, and you are worth dying for. And when I test those faulty beliefs that I formed out of that trauma against the word of God, then those beliefs are forced to change when I bring them into line with what God says about me and who said he says he's created me to be. And so in order to change the script in our mind that comes from those traumas, we have to change the script in our head. And the way we do that is by going to scripture and memorizing it. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so we have to pray when we need help. Because we can't do this all by ourselves. We need the healer. We need the purpose giver. And he gives us those things. And so 
we have to memorize scripture. We have to pray when we're struggling, when, when our brain and our heart, which is deceitfully wicked above all things, tries to tell us that we are not enough, that we are not worthy, that we are insecure, that we don't have the confidence. And, and you can insert whatever your trauma is. You can insert whatever those false beliefs are because we all form them out of the wounds that life gives us through the course of, of being. And when we, when we are met with those thoughts that are untrue, we have to combat them with prayer and with the word of God. And so we have to memorize truth and quote truth and practice truth until it becomes the breath in our lungs, till it becomes second nature to combat the lies with the truth, because that's what overcomes the lies that our heart is telling us and lies that society is telling us and lies that trauma is telling us. In order to overcome that, we we combat it with truth. And that has to become the script. That has to become what we go to every single time until it becomes true to us. And over time and with practice, that's how God allows it to heal and puts it back together again. So we have to pray and we have to memorize scripture and we have to have that in our toolbox to respond to it when it comes to us. And then the, the next thing is to focus on God's service not on self-service. If we're going to truly be overcomers and allow traumatic wounding events in our lives to simply be a chapter in our story and not our entire story, we have to understand that our life is meant to be lived in service of God and not in service of self. And he's going to give us opportunities to serve and be fulfilled and be blessed and be incredibly joyful and confident in the things that he has called us to do. And that the things that slow us down or hurt us or wound us aren't meant to be forever. If I break my leg, I get put in a cast, I get put on crutches. Six weeks later, that cast is supposed to come off. I go through therapy and then those crutches are supposed to go away. I'm not supposed to live with that for the rest of my life. Maybe I'm going to have scars. Maybe I'm going to have a limp, but I'm not supposed to have crutches and a cast for the rest of forever. And and emotional, mental, spiritual trauma works the same way where there may be events that happen. We may have to have crutches and a cast for some for a time being. And there may be scars that are left behind, but we can overcome it with the word of God and with the scriptural beliefs and and with prayer. And with understanding what truth is and what falsehoods are, even the ones that our own hearts tell us. And the next thing is mindset. Input determines outcome. So if you input failure and you input those traumatic events over and over and over and you relive them and you replay them and you live there and you form your belief systems and you form your life and you build it around, this is me. I am my trauma now. And I've, I've had friends and, and people that I've known do that. And and to this very day, it holds them back. To this very day, it handicaps what they are capable of and, and what they could do and the impact and the influence that they could have. But they're not overcoming their trauma. They became their trauma. It became their entire story. It became their life. It became the cornerstone of who they are as people. And God says, that's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be me. I'm the cornerstone. I'm the one. And and when I'm your life and I'm your story, I can create incredible, beautiful, wonderful things, even with all of the broken pieces. And, And you have to make it part of your story, but not the story. The next step is trust the process. Fall down and get up. Practice it. It takes a lot of practice to reverse a lifetime. 
Um, especially if you haven't sat down and done the work of recognizing where that initial trauma came from or how you've eternalized it or what lies that you've decided or truths and that you are telling yourself. Um, and from a biblical perspective, those are the steps that you have to take in order to become an overcomer. But I promise you with all the confidence of the word of God and the backing of the Lord that that's the tools, that's the path that he's put you on, and that's who he wants you to be. He wants you to be an overcomer. He wants to use you for the greatest adventure that is called life that you can possibly imagine, that he carefully crafted with with challenges and battles and, and mountains and valleys to create a beautiful tapestry. And you have to let him. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck in that trauma. Don't get stuck in those events. Don't get stuck in the lies that society tells you or that your heart tells you. Memorize scripture, change the script, battle it with prayer, combat it with the word of God, um, because that's going to not just give you a crutch. It's not just going to give you a cast. It's going to give you the tools to heal, to not be broken, to not have your soul crushed and wounded, and to not have those events become the focal, catalytic, linchpin events of our lives. Um the Lord is supposed to be that for us. And it's a wonderful thing when we allow him to save our soul, when he gives us soul healing. We're responsible for physical healing. And God has given us the tools and the equipment to successfully have spirit healing and to be overcomers. And so my challenge is you to, to you today is be equipped. Be proficient in the tools that God has given us to use in order to be wildly successful, in order to be overcomers, in order to take those traumatic events that happen in our lives and use them for the glory of God and to use them as opportunities to encourage other people and opportunities to grow in ways that we could have never grown otherwise and to understand that God works all things together for good to them that love him, even the hard things, even the horrible things, even the hurtful, wounding, traumatic things. And we can trust him with that and we can live with confidence and with joy and adventure and zest and zeal and, and all the things that make us whole. We're, we're not meant to live broken. We're not meant to live on crutches. So take what God's word says today and be an overcomer. Have a blessed week and I will talk to you again soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Graceful and Gritty podcast. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or by email at gracefulandgritty at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.